Well, good morning and welcome to Trinity Assembly of God. Psalm 18 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Let's stand and get into a time of worship this morning. Though the tears may fall, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. Though my heart may fail, my song will rise, my song will rise to you. While there's breath in my lungs, I will praise you, Lord. In the dead of night, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. When the waters rise, I lift my eyes, I lift my eyes to you. While there's hope in Darkness. 
be seated. We want to welcome all of our guests today, people who are here in person and those who are joining us on the live stream. Um, we want to thank you for choosing Trinity. Um, this young man right here, Mr. Mark, he has uh, welcome uh, cards. Just if you're a guest with us, please raise your hand and then fill out the information on the card so we can stay in contact with you and uh, drop it in either the back of the sanctuary or in the front. Oh, and then after, sorry, after, if you're a guest, this is where it gets good. We have, we have a special, special gift for you. So make sure after the service, you find a deacon or um, someone that looks important. Um, in your bulletins, there's, um, oh, go ahead, sorry, yeah. Everybody give a round of applause. In your bulletins, there's lots of uh, information about the upcoming opportunities that we have here at the church, as well as service times and information. And for all the men in the room, I want to remind you that next Saturday is our monthly men's breakfast at 8 a.m., in the fireside room. Our missionaries who are currently staying in the parsonage and have for a little bit of time now um, to France, the Connors, Dan Connor will be there speaking and um, 
he came and spoke last week for youth, and it was amazing. So um, you learn a lot of new, interesting things, and it will definitely be one that you don't want to miss out on. Now, the only downside is Pastor Ken is cooking, so you might have to eat before or after you leave. Next week, after the morning service, is our annual business meeting. If you are a member of the church, um, it is important that you show up to vote. But if you're not a member, you can still come and hang out and have a meal. Uh, make sure that you sign up, though, out in the lobby. And you have to bring two items with you. A lot of people have signed up for one. You're bringing two items, which is a, a side dish and, and a dessert or a salad. All right. Yep. All right, that's how it is. Okay, now, if you join me in standing so we can get back into worship and you don't have to listen to me anymore. Oh, shame is a prison as cruel as grave. Shame is a robber and he's come take my name love is my redeemer lifting me up from the ground love is a power where my freedom song is found there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down there ain't no
continue looking at this lessons from a dead man named Lazarus. There's some things we need to learn. Amen? We've learned some things already, but we've got a few more today and next week. The first thing we need to realize is that Lazarus was truly dead. He didn't just faint. He didn't just swoon. He hadn't been in a coma. He wasn't just passed out and then revived by the coldness of the ground. Jesus said clearly, and you know Jesus knows life and death, amen? Lazarus is dead. He waited a few days before he went to the graveside just so everybody knew that there was no doubt about it. Lazarus was dead. You know, if you're thrown in, you've been in a coma or you've passed out and you're thrown into a dark cave, after a day or so, you might just walk out of there. But when you're dead, you're dead. Well, till Jesus shows up. Looking at the timing of Lazarus' death, he must have died shortly after the messengers went from Mary and Martha to go tell Jesus that he was sick. Jesus tarried a while before returning to Bethany so that four days had elapsed since Lazarus was put into a tomb and buried. According to Jewish custom, certain things were done, certain procedures were undertaken at the point of a Jewish person's death. First of all, immediately after death, the deceased body was ceremonially bathed and salt was applied to ward off any infections that could occur, any diseases that could have been 
upon the body that caused the death. Second aspect procedure was the body was then wrapped with strips of cloth resembling a mummy but not mummification prior to burial in a tomb or cave. Fragrant oils were placed in between the folds of those wrappings because that body was going to lay in a holding area in the tomb for one year. After that person has laid there and fully decomposed, at the end of the year, the tomb would be opened, the family members would go in and gather up the bones and place them in what is called an ossuary box. They would take that box and put it on shelves that were cut into the side of the tomb so that an entire family would be buried in that tomb or that crypt. Then the tomb is closed and a period of one year of mourning begins. During that year of composition, decomposition, The mourning is completed, the sackcloth and ashes is taken away, and a remembrance time when they go in and place the, the fragrant oils again and gather up the bones. When Jesus arrived at Bethany, steps one through three have already taken place. Lazarus was prepared for burial, wrapped, anointed, placed in the chamber, and mourners had gathered at the home, not the, not the tomb. They gathered in what is called to this day a Shiva. It's a week-long period of mourning and comforting of those left behind, the family and relatives of the deceased. People would come and and bring food and bring gifts and bring all kinds of comforting items. Just their presence was comforting. And the Shiva was to last one week. They were just four days into Shiva when Jesus showed up. Mary's in the house with the mourners that have gathered. While Martha leaves the house when she hears that Jesus has arrived at the outskirts of Bethany where the tomb was located. We read verse 21. It says, Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I want us to look, first of all, at these two phrases of Martha. Two significant phrases. If you had been here, but even now. Martha had grown in her faith through her relationship with Jesus. Every time he came to Bethany, he stayed there. There was a feast that was going to be coming up and 
all different kinds of people would be flooded into, into Jerusalem for Passover, but Jesus had a place to stay, a place that he was accustomed to going. Her first phrase is one that many people dwell on. If only you had been here. If only you had been here. Even some of the mourners we find out later on in the story had the same thought. Couldn't this one who did these other things do something about the situation if he'd only been here? If only this had not happened, if only that had not occurred. Far too often, we can be trapped in if-only thought processes. If only I'd taken that other job. If only I hadn't said that. You ever been in that situation where you know that if you say something, it's going to be wrong, you're going to be in trouble, and something down deep within you, knowing that, says it anyway. And for years, <laughs> decades later, if only I hadn't said that. If only I hadn't done that. Some people are trapped in their past by if-only thinking. I want you to know something. You can't change the past. We can study it. We can learn from it. But we cannot change it. Even if you own a DeLorean that can reach 88 miles an hour. And some of your eyes are glassy. No, that's an old film. Back, well, it, yeah, think about it. You don't think you're that old, but, <laughs> but when they got that old DeLorean racing up to 88 miles an hour, they went back in time and could try to change things and try to manipulate things in the past. We do not have that capacity. I've met many in my ministry and in my life who are trapped in their past by if-only thinking. It will eat you up. If only I didn't go to that place. If only I had a better family growing up. <laughs> if only I would have been, if only I had applied myself more. This is one of those recurring nightmares. If only I had written down the combination to my high school locker. I wouldn't be troubled by that. Some are trapped by if-only thinking. 
We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But the second phrase of Martha shows that she has done some growing up spiritually since the first time we met her. She says, but even now. She realized it's never too late for Jesus to show up. If you'd only been here, but he wasn't. But even now, I know God will do whatever you ask him to. Oh, we need a fresh dose of but even now kind of faith growing up in our lives. Well, where do you get it? Can you go to a meeting and receive it? Can you, somebody lay hands and give it to you? No, it comes through the word coming alive in your heart. The time that she began to learn that sitting at Jesus' feet was not such a bad idea. She had learned about faith. She had learned about what Jesus could do. She had seen his miracle power even in Bethany at Simon the leper's healing. She had seen Jesus do multiple miracles and her faith had risen to the place that even though he wasn't there at the time, but even now he's able to do something about my situation. She realized it's never too late for Jesus. This just kind of rolled over in my thought. His delay is not necessarily denial. His delay is not necessarily his denial. He may not be on your time, but glory to God, he's on his time. But even now, he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. But the situation is past. It's not applicable anymore. Yeah, but he can do things in his time. Our timing is messed up. How many of you have timing issues in your life? How many of you have never been on time? How many, how many still grapple with time change that's coming up? How many of you, if you even if you know what time you're supposed to leave, to get someplace, you still mess up and miss it. How many of you, when you walk in the door at a church service, people look and say, it must be late. We're not doing names today. Your time is not everybody else's time. And God's time is in the center of his perfect will. He's always right on time with his purposes. The scripture is clear that people are going to, before Jesus returns again, and, and folks, he is coming back. And people say, well, I believe he's coming back in my lifetime. You can't know that. You'd like it. I'd like it. I'd like a ticket out of here, wouldn't you? I'd like a ticket into the presence, amen? 
And some of you are reaching for your weapons that are concealed carry, and you say, I'll help you, Pastor. I'll send you right along. Not looking to leave early. Jesus is coming again, and people, it was prophesied in Peter that people are going to say, where's the promise of his coming? Where everything's going on just the way it has since the beginning of time. Well, that's stupid. That's not true. Things have been changing a whole lot since the beginning of time. But he is not slack concerning his promise. He's faithful. He's long-suffering. He's waiting for the right time. And I assure you, when the time is right, Jesus is coming again. The trumpet will sound at the right time. The dead in Christ will rise first at the right time. The spirits will be rejoined with a glorified body and rise up, thumbing their nose at the devil who caused them to die in the first place because sin brought about death. Isn't that what the scripture says? But I've got good news. It's going to be at the, just the right time. Don't try to forecast it. Just be ready for it. Jesus is right on time for what he's planning. But even now, if you have ever heard yourself saying, well, if only, if only I'd have married that other person, if only I'd, I'd done this, if only I'd, you cannot step back and change it. If only thinking will paralyze you. But even so, even now thinking will raise your faith to new heights. I don't know about yesterday, but I know he can do something today. I love the story of the three Hebrew children. You know that. It's one of my favorite. Well, I've got so many favorites, but it's one of my favorites one about 5,000 favorites. And it looked like Jesus was late showing up to the party. The king had sentenced them to being thrown into the fiery furnace. He'd stoked it up seven times hotter than it was supposed to be so that even the guards that threw them in were killed by the intensity of the fire. And the king looks over at one of his friends and says, how many we throw in there? Uh, a three, sir. Well, somebody came late to the party because there's a fourth one walking around in that fiery furnace. And he's like the very son of God. Jesus showed up to the gathering and made all the difference. Simon Peter's on death row. He's going to be executed in the morning. That would cause you some sleepless nights unless you know Jesus. The people could have been in the prayer meeting on the other side of town saying, Lord, if only you'd have delivered him out of... And the Lord says, I, uh, it's not time yet. And when it's getting darker and darker and darker, Peter's not afraid. He's falling asleep between two snoring guards. And the angel of the Lord comes, has to wake him up. I love... I love the old style of English. They, he smote him in the side. Kind of like some of you wives are smoting 
your hubby in the side to keep him awake today. He was on death row, ready to be executed in the morning, but when they came in to look, the jailers were there and no Pete. <laughs> Jesus showed up through an angel and made all the difference. Quit lamenting what cards the past has dealt you and realize what Martha said is true, but even now. And then Jesus, another lesson from a dead man named Lazarus, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. And Jesus said, oh, no, you don't understand. You're looking at him. I am the resurrection. A lesson from this dead man named Lazarus is this. The resurrection is not an event. It's a person named Jesus. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the resurrection. Your relationship to the one who is the resurrection depends upon, determines what's going to happen after you're dead and gone. Because there's an eternity after death, physical death. You're going to be one place or another. It's, there's no purgatory. Sorry, breaking your bubble there. No purgatory, no, oh, we'll, we'll try and get a do-over. There's no do-overs. When you're dead, you're immediately either ushered into the presence of the one called the resurrection or you are condemned to a place called hell, which ultimately will be scraped into the lake of fire which burns forever in judgment. Yes. Hate to break the news. Well, you know, it's, it's, you know, they tell us we ought not scare people. Well, if that doesn't scare you, you're stupid. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's not very nice. Uh, it's not very nice. I'm just a rude, crude dude. Yeah, I, I just... I. Your relationship with the one who is the resurrection will determine what kind of resurrection. There's a resurrection of the, the saints unto glory, and there's a raising up out of hell for final judgment for the condemned, and they will be issued eternal sentencing in a lake of fire. He is the resurrection, folks. What's your relationship with him? What is your relationship right now? If you didn't have another second, if you didn't have another moment in time, and right this moment, death would hit you. What is your relationship with Jesus, the resurrection? Well, I've been meaning to get around to that. I used to be closer than I am now. That's not close enough. Your relationship to the resurrection, the one who is called the resurrection, is front burner for right now. Every day, 
every day. Are you walking with the resurrected Christ? Are you walking with the resurrected Christ? Anybody in the house walking today with the resurrected Christ? You know he's your Savior. You know he's your Lord. You're like the guys going back from the, the burial of Jesus on the Emmaus Road, and they're walking along, and they're talking about the bad things that happened. But Jesus stepped in at just the right time, and he told them what was really going on. It wasn't his time yet to be shown for who he was, but he told them about the fact he was a fulfillment of every prophecy right on time. And then when they got to the house and they, their eyes were open and they saw who Jesus was, they went running back even though it was dark to tell the guys in the upper room, we saw him. Amen. We saw the resurrection. We walked with him. We talked with him. He explained it all to us. Where do you stand with the resurrection today? If you're not right with him, you don't need the rest of this message. You need to call upon the name of the Lord right now, wherever you may be. Some of you are watching from home or you're, you're on your iPad or you're sitting someplace. Some are gathered here. I have to believe that there might be somebody here that's on the wrong side of a relationship with the resurrection. Could you show me your birth certificate? We've said this before. There's no guarantee of when you're going to go into eternity. And if you're not right now, this instant, ready to face eternity, you're not ready at all. Meet the resurrection today. Its name is Jesus. He's willing to forgive your sin, come into your life and cleanse your sin away and impart eternal life so that when this physical body drops away, you don't skip a beat, you're ushered into his presence. He is the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, <laughs> it's just temporary because you're going to live forever. Just going to live forever. So here we are at the closed, sealed tomb of Lazarus. Inside, there's a dead body. At the moment of his death, his spirit went to the presence of the Lord. That's Bible. The dead body has been cleansed, wrapped, laid out, impacted with spikenard and other oils. Outside the tomb, a crowd has gathered when they heard that Jesus was at the tomb. I don't have time to touch on this today, but my favorite verse growing up, Jesus wept. It's not because if I had any deep theological understanding, but I could remember the whole verse. Jesus wept. How many of you know a scripture where Jesus wept? You can do a study of the two times it says that Jesus wept. I encourage you to do so. One time he wept when he was coming in 
to Jerusalem on the Passover weekend. And he looked at Jerusalem and he wept over souls that could be saved but weren't. And he wept. And when he gathers here, many people have speculated about why Jesus wept at the tomb of Lazarus. I don't believe he wept, personal opinion. I don't believe he wept because Lazarus was dead. I believe he wept because Lazarus was not going to stay dead. When you've been into the presence of Jesus, you want to stay. We don't have any record of people getting to heaven and say, you know, this is okay, but I'd rather live on the west side of Columbus. <laughs> it's not in the book. <laughs> I believe Jesus, he came there for a purpose. He came there to raise him. He says, the end result of this, you remember last week, the end result of this is not death. The end result of this is God's going to get some glory. We'll talk more about that next time. But so he knew what he was there to do. And he wept because the person that he loved was going to have to come back to a sin-encrusted world. He's going to face some criticisms and persecution. He was comforted in the presence of the Lord, but now he's going to bring him back. Nobody wants to come back from being in the presence of Jesus. It says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Various translations of that word, Lazarus, come out of there. Lazarus, here. <laughs> here I like that one it doesn't matter when Jesus speaks something's about to happen when Jesus spoke to demons at Gadara something was about to happen and the demons had to flee they went when Jesus said one word go when Jesus told the blind man the deaf man the leprous man the paralyzed man. Be healed. They were. When Jesus speaks, everything snaps to attention and does what Jesus says to do. The commanding power of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. When Jesus says to his Father, Father, forgive them. They've come to me. They've asked for their sins to be washed away. Lord, do it. God does it right then. The commanding, powerful word of Jesus. It splits Red Seas and Jordan Rivers. It speaks creation life. Time can stand still. Dead become alive again. 
Armies are defeated. Walls fall down. Miracles occur when this Jesus, this mighty God, speaks a commanding word. Don't you long for that Jesus to speak a commanding word in your life today? He already did. You're not living today because of your strength or your ability. He's the giver of life. He spoke the word this morning, said, time to get up. So that was my alarm clock. No, that alarm clock can ring all day, but if you're dead, you're dead. But when Jesus said, okay, when he walked into Jairus' house, we talked about last week, he said, honey, it's time to get up. And the girl who had been dead woke up. Your life this day is a gift of the commanding voice of Jesus. Tonight, go outside, look up in the, in the skies and realize the scripture tells us that everything is on its course by the sovereign word of God. The planets, the stars, the meteors, the comets, the asteroids, everything is on a course, not on of, of its own volition, but the solemn commanding voice of Jesus, the King of glory, keeps everything right on place. I got to move on. Sorry about that. One final lesson today, a very important one. Verse 43, now when he, Jesus, had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out. Come here. And Lazarus, come here. Bound hand and foot with grave cloths. His face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him, let him go. Lazarus was propelled out of that tomb by the commanding voice of Jesus Christ. Here. And that's where Lazarus was. Standing right where Jesus told him to be. The, the voice of God propelled him out and stood him there. He didn't do the Tim Conway walk, wrapped hand and foot. He was propelled out. But notice, he was alive, but limited. He was alive, but hindered. He was alive, but bound through the wrappings of the preparation of his death. Hear what I'm saying. There was power in the command of Jesus to bring Lazarus back to the land of the living. Amen? There was power in the command of Jesus to convey his spirit from heaven back into this raised up body. There was power in the command of Jesus to heal whatever killed him to begin with. Amen? He was alive, but still bound. 
Well, how's that possible? Well, it's right there. Bound hand and foot. He was bound by the burial preparations and he had to be set free. He was alive but bound. Alive but hindered. And I said, Lord, what, what in the world does that mean? Child of God, we can be made alive by the powerful command of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven you. Alive in Christ. How many are alive in Christ today? Born again, Jesus called it. And yet, we can be alive in Christ and still be entangled up with things that made us dead to begin with. Jesus said, loose him, let him go. I can be saved from my sin and still hindered in my walk. Mm. Listen carefully, folks. Don't disregard what I'm trying to share with you. We need to take off the grave clothes that have bound us from living the life that Jesus has called us to live. Many of us are living far short of the plan. We're hindered. We're held back. We got to take off the grave clothes today, church. We got to take off that which is holding us back. You are alive in Christ through salvation, but sometimes we're bound up by things that hold us back. Lazarus just couldn't walk wherever he wanted to walk. He couldn't do whatever he wanted to do. He was alive but bound. And he said, loose him, let him go. We need to take off the grave clothes of the past. We were talking about that if only thinking earlier. Living and shackled by the past, unable to move freely in the present Take off the grave clothes of the past and be set free. We can be held back. I know people that they are still groveling and held back because their mommy or their daddy was mean to them. Well, I feel very badly for you. But... Jesus Christ came to set you free. And he wants to set you free of that which hinders your walk. Take off the grave clothes of fear. Saved but held back by fear. Saved but you're still afraid of others. Saved but you're fearing failure. Saved but you fear persecution if you stand up for Christ and his word. Take off the grave clothes of fear and be set free. I'm not getting a whole lot of amens, but I'm preaching just what I'm supposed to preach. We need to take off the grave clothes of questionings. Well, pastor, I thought questions were good. They're not necessarily bad or hindering. But some get so wrapped up with your questions, you can't see the miracle. Look at those people that were gathered around the tomb. Why didn't he? Why is he weeping? Why did this happen? When questions hinder us from going further with God, we need to take off those grave clothes and be set free. 
When I start off my Sunday school class with the, the youngins, it's not like every other class. I didn't have to do this years before, but you know what I have to do every week? Okay, put your phones away. Put them down, okay. Put your phones away. Okay, under the table. Some of you are still playing solitaire this morning. If we don't, if I don't remove their phones, they will be distracted from the lesson we're trying to teach. Put your questions on hold and listen to Jesus and his word. Some of those questions can wrap you up. Well, why this? Why that? Why not that? And you, you can't move forward because you're spinning your wheels with questions. I got to move on. We need to take off the grave clothes of unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. But pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Then you don't realize what Jesus did for you. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what our sins do to Jesus. We can be chained and bound to those who have hurt us through unforgiveness. That person who wounded you, hurt you, said this about you, did that to you, was mean-spirited, did terrible things, regretful things. They may be dead and gone, but you are still bound through unforgiveness. You can't let it go. But God wants to set you free. He whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Doesn't it, doesn't it seem foolish to allow people who hurt you to keep on hurting you because you refuse to forgive them and just give it to the Lord. Is it easy? No, it's hard, but it's worth it. I've had to forgive some, some people. I don't trust them anymore, but I forgave them. <laughs> it's tough when you get that knife in the back. You know what I'm saying? You don't let them stand back there anymore. <laughs> but I have to forgive because I, I don't want to be bound to them through my unforgiveness. Just a couple more. Take off the grave clothes with the help of others. Notice what Jesus said. He didn't say, Lazarus, take off those grave clothes. No. Get rid of those things that are wrapped around you that are hindering you. No, he, he said to the others, let him go, loose him, and let him go. There's something about the body of Christ that can help people that are still wrapped up in the grave clothes that are holding them back. Our brothers and our sisters, we can pray, we can share, we can go to them the Lord can use us to help them get rid of some of those shackles, those things that are hindering and binding them, the 
church of Jesus Christ is not just a place you go or a thing you watch. It's a part of being a part of setting others free. You can't set them free from their sin, but Jesus said to the crowd there, loose him, let him go. And they rushed up and they took off the things that were binding and hindering Lazarus and Lazarus was ready to move on. You can help your brothers and sisters. Hard to help them if you're not here. Hard to help them if you're not dependable. Hard to help them if you don't care. Hard to help them if you're not praying for them. Hard to help them if you're so wrapped up in your own grave clothes. You can't see their problem. We got to stop for today. But Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't be alive in Christ and bound by the grave clothes we've talked about. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to have an invitation right now. Then we're going to receive the Lord's Supper together. But first of all, there may be some right now, you're not alive in Christ. You don't have the right relationship with the resurrection. But you can right now. You can be set free from the shackles of sin. Some are living an if-only existence. Your past is defining your present and your future. It doesn't have to be that way. Take off those grave clothes. Be free in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit has been moving in this place. I know that because there was a whole lot of silence in the house. Spirit is wanting to set you free today, child of God. You say, but I'm a Christian. Yeah, you're alive. But you have some grave clothes that are holding you back from walking the walk of the Christian life. I have, I am so excited about next week's message. I almost preached it today. God showed me something in the scripture I had never, I'd never seen before. And it was exciting. I want to share that with you next week. Right now, God's work is to set you free. Set you free. This place of prayer, this is an unwrapping place. Brothers and sisters will gather around you and help you unwrap the grave clothes that are holding you back. Heavenly Father, thank you for lessons from a dead man named Lazarus. That your delay is not necessarily your denial. We don't want to be hampered by the if-only thinking we want to embrace, but even now, faith. Father God, many here alive but bound 
alive but held back, alive in Christ but hindered, and you want to set people free. Father, gather us at this place right now. I pray it in Jesus, whose commanding voice can set the captive free. Amen. This place of prayer is open right now. Please, don't hesitate. Don't wait. If you need prayer today, you want to just, you and Jesus talk about it, that's fine too. The altar's open. Would you come? I'm not going to beg you. I've tried to preach the word to you today. I believe it was a word straight from God to this congregation right now, today. Someone comes, brothers and sisters, brothers pray for them. The altar's open. The altar's open. Time is now. You can be alive and still be hindered. You can be alive and still bound up. Whom the sun sets free is to be free. Some of you are concerned with other believers. You see that they're bound up with things that are holding them back in their faith walk with God. Could you come and bring them to this place of prayer too? Could you intercede from them? Lord, I, I see my brother, my sister is bound up in something. Unforgiveness, questioning the past. Father, I'm willing to be used to loose them and let them go. I pray for them today. The altar's open. The altar's open.
people that still believe that God, by the gifts of his Holy Spirit, still speaks through tongue and interpretation, through words of prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, all of the gifts and all of the fruits still available to the body of Christ. In just a few moments, we're going to distribute the emblems. You may be seated. We're going to distribute the emblems. You say, but Pastor, I'm not a member of this local congregation. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Then you're a part of this congregation. We encourage you to participate as we share this remembrance of what Jesus did for us. They're going to be passing amongst you and distribute the cup, the bread, and we ask that you hold until everyone is received, and then we'll give you instruction about receiving these emblems together. All the while that
life wasn't taken from it, he laid it down. From the foundation of the world, it was in his plan for you and for me to die for the sins of the whole world. Father, bless these emblems and help us to remember the real meaning behind them. That it's not just bread. It's not just the fruit of the vine. It's a reminder of your great love and your great sacrifice. I ask it in Jesus' name. The Bible tells us on the night he was betrayed, Jesus gathering the disciples into an upper chamber, broke the bread of the Passover meal, gave it to them and said, as I say to you, take, eat. His body was broken for you. Let's go out to the light of day 